Hello everyone, you're listening to America Meditating Radio. We collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts on demand 24-7. I'm Sister Jenna, host of the syndicated America Meditating Radio. Join us as we talk one-on-one with leading experts who answer life's most compelling questions. Because in a world of uncertainty, we need answers right here, right now. America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life. states 
I heard that souls are marching in the United States of America. I can't breathe. It scares me. And what I'd like to ask everyone to reframe is, we can breathe and we are here for change. We will make a change. It just feels like it's like a death call when you say, I can't breathe. If you turn it around and say, we can breathe, we need reform of the police officers, we need reform of abuse and racism, it just gives you more life and more energy to move forward. So it's my plea to everyone who might hear this interview today and turn the framing around. Mass media has a way of serving the lower energy, not intentionally, or maybe it is intentionally, I don't know. But at some point, we're all on the same flight heading to the same destination, and if the plane's not doing well, everyone's going to go down. It's really not about any of us surviving this on our own. We're all in this together, and that's what makes it perhaps sometimes really challenging because there are some elder brothers and younger brothers. Sometimes the elder brothers are trying to signal to the younger brothers, please just say we breathe, and the younger ones are going, no. Then you have a difference of opinion. So what do you do? You have to find a way to encourage all of humanity to look within, to look at your inner being, to look within your inner world, and to compare that inner world to the religion of peace, to the religion of purity, to the religion of love, not of Islam, not of Christianity, not of going into Sam a Democrat or Republican, not to say that I'm black or white, rich or poor, king or ugly, healthy or not, but does this motive match my religion of peace and purity? You're listening to America Meditating Radio. I'm your host, Sister Jenna. Today we have Carla McLaren, who is an award-winning author, educator, and social science researcher, and an empathy pioneer. Her innovative grand unified theory of emotions revalues even the most negative emotions and opens startling new pathways of self-awareness, effective communication, and healthy empathy. She's the author of several books, including The Language of Emotions and her new book, Embracing Anxiety, How to Access the Genius Inside This Vital Emotion, which will be released by Sounds True in June. We welcome Carla McLaren to America Meditating Radio. Welcome, Carla. Nice to have you. Hello, it's nice to be here. You know, recently in some of my interviews, I've been asking individuals, how are they coping with COVID? And right as we're still in the midst of COVID, I'm now asking, how are you coping with what's going on in the United States of America? Wow, that's a big question. I'm a white person. Listening to all of my emotions and trying to not center my voice in whatever I'm saying, but just continually repost the voices of people of color and people who are trying to help and people who are trying to give us more information about what's happening. I'm also not reposting images of George Floyd being murdered. There's too much of that. You know, you sort of can't get away from it. But I'm aware that it is very traumatizing for anybody to see that over and over again but also for people of color to see that over and over again, right? I mean, your emotions can only take so much. So you opened it up that I'm a white woman. So by saying that, what does that mean? 
when you are sitting at home, you are watching, there is an awareness, but you have never lived that experience. From a really honest point of view, how do you really see it from within your being? When you just watch it, and you don't have to give an answer that means it's the right answer, just Mm -hmm. what is the truthful answer about how you're feeling as you witness these scenes over and over again? Yeah, just an inner sense of despair, rage, grief, and a renewed commitment to work on anti-racism in myself and to support anti-racism organizations wherever I can. One of the things I'm doing right now is I'm handwriting postcards for the NAACP to deregistered African-American voters in voter registration suppression states in the South. And it's a little thing to do, but it's very meditative to sit and write, Dear Miss Somebody, I'm writing for the NAACP, and do you know that you may have been deregistered? And asking people to go and make sure that they can vote. It seems so small, but it's me reaching out to a person who has been a victim of racism here in our country and hoping to return their power to them. Yeah. I've had these discussions because I have a diverse group of friends. I've actually never seen color. I more see the character, the goodness. What are we up for service? Let's say I were to ask you this question, how are you seeing what's happening in America as a soul, not as a white person, not as a woman, not as an American, but when you look at the world from the angle of being the soul that you are, pure and beautiful, how would you address what you're witnessing from that perspective? I would say that in terms of the world, racism is a massive stain, but in terms of locating myself within this world, I see a tremendous damage being done to everyone. There's no one who isn't damaged by racism. And in the United States, we built our country on racism, our Constitution was built on racism, something we all have to look at very clearly from wherever we are. The reason why I asked is because when we have the identity of our gender and race and nationality, it tends to get charged up, and we don't necessarily find long-term solutions, but they're usually short-term. But I found for myself that whenever I go inwards, and I connect to the purity and the essence of the spirit, and I look at the situation, for some reason I find a different resolve. And it tends to carry virtues like empathy, patience, understanding, listening. And it comes with a kind of a vibrational force that somehow disarms the other one who is in that moment of darkness. So there's a question that I've been asking all my friends, black, white, Chinese, Indian, because I think there is a solution hidden there if we could only visit that particular area within our beings. I want to go on to your book. Wow, let's discuss your soon-to-be-released, Embracing Anxiety. Could you have released that at a better time? I mean, are the stars lined <laughs> up for you or what, Carla? Come on. So it is exploring about how we can engage with anxiety as a source of maybe even foresight, or intuition. So tell us a little bit more about the book and what most people's anxieties are at this particular time. I think understanding anxiety as a very helpful inner source for us 
helps us understand what it's doing here. The work of anxiety is to help us prepare for the future, get things done, organize ourselves, bring everything we need to the forefront. So right now anxiety is working full time. (laughs) I'm hoping it's getting paid, but it is working full time because our futures are uncertain. We don't know when we're going to get back to work or what's happening. So we are dealing with a future that we can't sort of name at this point. And what I'm seeing is a lot of people are having a great deal of difficulty with this emotion. And what I am learning is to focus on the present moment with anxiety and to help it make decisions about the near future. It's helping a lot. And I think everyone is feeling it, but some people are responding to it in ways that are kind of not very helpful. I'm seeing a lot of people wanting to rush to reopen things or not wear their masks because, you know, they're tough. They're not going to get it, that sort of thing. For me at this point, watching people's emotional skills, I think these are the most important skills. And a lot of people just haven't learned very much about their emotions that's helpful to them. What do you think are the emotions right now being spawned with the folks have been locked down for two to three months, then there's an unjust murder that takes place. It's definitely connected Mm -hmm. to racism. It's definitely Mm -hmm. connected to people in power who still feed the mentality that certain races and genres are lower than they are, and they should be messaged to the world and to the country that we are in authority. So we're witnessing sort of an awakening of people recognizing that the dust is coming out from under the rug. What's the emotion that you're witnessing now with the people in the country? I'm witnessing many emotions. Fear, anxiety, and panic. Each of these emotions has a specific job to do, and they're very important. But most people don't have a practice for even one of these emotions, so all three at once are intense. I'm also seeing sadness, depression, and grief. And again, people don't have many practices for even one of these emotions, so all three are happening. There's also rage going on right now. So for many people, they're feeling all seven at once plus other ones. And so they're feeling not sort of overwhelmed, they're feeling overwhelmed. And my message is these emotions are aspects of your intelligence and your cognition and your capacity to navigate through the world. Each one has a gift, each one has skills, and they're all coming to help during a difficult time. (laughs) They're all here. Again, you know, I keep going back, Carla, to what's going to solve the complexity of these times as much as we can intellectually try to uncover all the facets of the hurt and the pain for generations that we've been carrying. What's the one bleach that can take out the stain? And I keep going back to, you know, inner silence. And I don't mean an absence of moving forward with making changes, I mean, an inner silence that says, stop being attached to your limited point of views. Go into the original nature of the self. Raise your awareness of who you are, then see the story. And for some reason, it keeps coming over and over again in my consciousness. This is our solution. There's a part in the book that you describe how the practice of conscious questioning may be used when dealing with anxiety that is focused on things that are just too far in the future or too uncertain or too complex, right? So you write that if uncertainty exists in many areas of your life or 
if it lasts for a long time, you and your emotions are going to need to build a myriad of self-care and mindfulness practice to support our human lives and to help us to manage and thrive. Could you expand on how conscious questioning and other practices may be utilized when it comes to remaining emotionally healthy, especially during such a time of such chaos? In my work, I teach people to lean into the emotions and listen to them, work with them for what they are and what they came to do. Conscious questioning leans into anxiety, and it asks anxiety, okay, what do I need to do? What are my strengths and resources? What do I need to do to prepare? Is there anyone who could help me? Has anybody done this before? And that, for me, has been the most important thing in dealing with what we're looking at in COVID and in this new understanding of, you know, what's coming out of the center of America in terms of how we really treat each other. But for me, one of the questions is, can I contact or read about someone who has successfully done this thing? And I'm following some brilliant epidemiologists on Twitter and Facebook, and getting information from people who really know what they're talking about is so soothing for my anxiety and my other emotions too. And then looking who has done good work with race in America, who has the infrastructure, who can I support, so that I can settle knowing that I'm connected to other humans who are brilliant and who are really working and really understand the issues. So I don't have to understand all of it myself. Like my anxiety doesn't have to hold everything. That's nice. Nice. So is there a difference between the emotion of anxiety and the condition of an anxiety disorder? Yes. And for a lot of people, what I'm seeing this a lot is that an anxiety disorder is often panic. Panic is the emotion that helps save our lives. It comes forward to help us fight, flee, or freeze when we need to. And in many cases, what people call an anxiety disorder is panic. If there's dread in it, if there's fear for one's life, it's panic. And it's interesting that we call it anxiety rather than panic, which is just a part of our very poor emotional skills, which have been curated for many centuries as people have treated the emotions as less than or as problems in and of themselves. So anxiety is up for people. And, you know, they ask the question, what needs to be done? What do I need to do to get things done? Can I ask anybody for help? And the anxiety increases or there's a feeling of dread, then that's panic and there's a different practice for panic. Is anxiety and fear different or are they related? Yes, they're different. Fear is an emotion that helps you focus on the present moment, on any change or novelty in your close environment. Anxiety is about looking and preparing for the future. They will work together sometimes. Actually, all three, fear, anxiety, and panic, are working together during this pandemic, as they should, because you need to be aware of where you are in every moment. You need to be aware of what's going on, what's happening in the future. Do you have everything you need? And because it's a pandemic and this illness is pretty serious, your panic will kind of be watching out because there is danger to your life. So all three are working together to help people stay right on top of things and be safe. Interesting. I would have thought that anxiety had some sort of a connection to fear, but what I'm getting is that anxiety is 
fed a lot by living sort of too much in a mode of expectation, too much into the future, like what might happen, what's going to happen. Yeah, but it's really important to know what's going on in the future. And anxiety Mm -hmm. is just a crucial emotion because if you don't prepare for the future, you're going to arrive unsafe and your panic would kind of step in, (laughs) especially now. You know, if you go out, you don't have your hand sanitizer or your mask or, you know, whatever it is that you're doing in your area then yes, your panic yes. can be like, what did you do? <laughs> <laughs> I get it. There's some people that look at anxiety as really a negative. It gets a bad rap. But in your book, Embracing Anxiety, you describe it as helping people actually set boundaries around what they value. How do you make that particular discovery? Now, this is anger, right? Well, anger, yes. Yeah, Sorry yeah. about that. I mean, there's a contest to see which emotion people hate the most. <laughs> but anger mm-hmm. and anxiety are up there. And a lot of people have been taught that anger is the most terrible thing in the world and that we should never feel angry. What I noticed throughout my life is instead of looking at individuals feeling anger, what I asked is what is happening in the situation when anger comes forward? What is anger trying to do? What is its purpose? And what I noticed is anger is always about boundaries. If people Mm -hmm. are crossing a boundary that they shouldn't have. And Mm -hmm. anger will come up to say, hey, that's a boundary, dude. Now, how people set those boundaries is a function of their own emotional training. And so Mm -hmm. you can see people set boundaries in violent and thoughtless ways, and you can see people set boundaries in brilliant and loving ways. Mm -hmm. But most people just identify the violent and nasty ways that people set boundaries. So anger gets the rap when, in fact, it's people's lack of emotional skills. So teaching people that ask a question first, what do I value when I'm angry, and then go to the next step really helps people say, okay, I value empathy, and I value human life, and I value kindness, and I value other people's right to their own beliefs, right? And then you can go forward from there. Are there certain forms of meditation and deep breathing that can actually worsen anxiety? Yes, And that's something that a lot of people don't know. Uh, Sometimes people will go into a deep breathing or meditative practice and it will create anxiety or exacerbate Mm. it. And I think what's happening is, especially with deep breathing, that can actually engage old trauma. It's something to be very careful about. That I generally say breathe gently now. I don't say breathe deeply because I don't know in my audience if there are people who are dealing with unresolved trauma, is that sometimes when you breathe deeply and really widen out your rib cage. Difference between breathing deeply and breathing gently? I would say breathing gently, you wouldn't do quite as much expansion of the rib cage, right? Because breathing deeply, people will generally take a big breath, very large okay. breath. So there's also something that you'd identified in the book called conscious complaining. I can't wait to hear about that one. How does it help you access the truth of what you're feeling so you can listen to the genius inside your emotions? Is that what conscious complaining is about? Like, how do we Mm -hmm. use that? Yeah, each emotion has its own practice that supports Mm -hmm. what the emotion's trying to do. And conscious complaining is sort of for everybody because it helps people speak the truth. Instead of doing repressive behaviors around emotions, conscious complaining is a sort of a meditative practice that I created 
to help the emotions speak. Because most people have been trained that emotions are less than pretty much everything, right? They're less than the intellect. They're less than cognition. They're less than spirituality. So that means that emotions live in the shadows. And anything that you put in the shadow is going to become very powerful. So this is a way to get them out of the shadow and start befriending them. So conscious complaining is like a ceremonial approach to that. And you start with an element of good ritual, which is to say I'm starting this ritual, and then you just complain, and you listen to yourself, and then you end the ritual. Thank you, I'm done complaining. What I've noticed with conscious complaining is that people usually start with some form of anger. You know, I'm pissed off, this is stupid, whatever. And because they're able to complain, there's freedom there. What I notice is a lot of times we'll get to deeper places, and I'm afraid and I don't want to let anyone down, and I'm grieving. What I've noticed is that many emotions can come out and speak during conscious complaining, but that it sort of has to be started off with some kind of complaint because there's some good energy in complaining. In Embracing Anxiety, I teach this as a solitary practice so that people can learn to engage with their emotions again without any kind of shame being placed on them. But there's also a partner practice that we do where one person just listens and makes it okay that another person's complaining. And then mm-hmm. they switch places. And it's really fun to have that freedom to be a real person instead of, you know, an emotionally repressive perfect person. <laughs> what's an emotionally repressive perfect person? <laughs> so what's their, what's their behavior like? Everything would be repressed. If there was anger, they would say, well, I understand everyone's oh. viewpoint here. <laughs> <laughs> the best the best but in one way isn't that when the person is just really trying to be their best i was thinking the other day doing a little simple life review and i observed that there's a part of me that i've done everything that i'm asked of you know apart from having a hundred kids and getting married and a white picket fence and all of that which wasn't written for me but mm-hmm. in terms of being a model person, say the right things, do the right things, carry myself appropriately, don't ruffle too many feathers, you come forward to try to be the best of what you think, quote, unquote, you're supposed to be, but also yeah. what the world needs. But deep down, there are parts of you still that you haven't become the energy of that, but you're working towards it. So say, for example, the person, the character that you just modeled, Oh, well, I do understand. Oh, it's going to be okay. And you can feel like they just want to wring your neck, right? Don't you want to give them credit, though, for just like, I guess what you're saying is that you really wish me the best, but it's not working, or I wish you had the power to make it work for me because what you're saying is right, but vibrationally I can't feel it. Like, how do you address that? If the person really wants to do the right thing, Another case, I know someone who works so hard to be the best at whatever she wants to do, but she's just not herself. She's not happy. I've been thinking about this a lot. People who do everything right in the world's eyes, and yet they're not happy. And I see folks who just mess up all the time, and everybody loves them. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) So what's the difference? And I think the people who mess up all the time might be being... Authentic. There's something real there. And the people who are repressing all the time and trying to be 
good instead of being good. When good means real for me. You know, I'd much rather hear someone say, well, what you said just pissed me off right then. I'm like, okay, now I know who you are, right? Mm-hmm. And now we can see how our relationship's going to go instead of someone who's always trying to be good. And I think you step away from yourself if you're trying to be good. But isn't that what we're all supposed to do, though, Carla? Aren't we all supposed to be good knowing that we have demons or stuff that we're battling with all the time because we're on a battlefield? Once the soul is in the body, you're in a battle, like it or not, and we've got to fight our way through it. So is that an aspect of also trying? Like, I've got to fight me. Yeah. And I would say that fight is good. Mm -hmm. And I think we're talking about the shadow here. And to do shadow work and to bring as much of the self out as possible so that we're whole, not just Mm -hmm. good. Yeah, nice. Beautiful answer. All right, so tell us about the book being launched on Sounds True. That's a great achievement. Congratulations. I love Sounds True, by the way. They're wonderful. Launch date and what can we expect? It's June 30th, and there's the book Embracing Anxiety and also an audio learning program called Practices for Embracing Anxiety. And they are both available wherever books are sold. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I'm really looking forward to this book coming out. I wish that it had come out, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, but it seems Mm -hmm. that we're going to be needing to embrace anxiety for quite a while until there's some kind of answer for us. Yes, I agree. Well, you know, it's coming out at a good time, and it's always a good time to show up for something powerful and beautiful. So we thank you for that. Leave us with a website where our listeners can find out more about where to get the book and information about your work. Thank you. My website is com. It's K-A-R-L-A-M-C-L-A-R-E-N. Sounds perfect. Carla McLaren, thank you so much. All the very best and stay safe. Thanks. You too. Wonderful. Book's coming out on June 20th on Sounds True. Look out for it, huh? It's going to be a great feat, I'm sure. I mean, with anxiety being so high, Bracing Anxiety, How to Access the Genius Inside This Vital Emotion. That's going to be available again on Sounds True starting at June 20th. And for more information, go to Carla McLaren, M-C-L-A-R-E-N.com for more information. We need more love and empathy, but I can say it a million times until we go inwards and really do the work, everyone. Really do the work. All of this is just fluff. We've got to do the work on ourselves and not talk about it, but live it. You can see the degeneration of consciousness everywhere you go. Every state, every country, every person, there's something happening. There's a challenge here. There's a struggle here. Go inside. Access your peace. And then from that place, express who you are. Thank you for joining us today. Remember, no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission. And we really are here to love each other the same. We actually are here to love each other the same. Let's hold a moment. A traffic control, every hour in the hour, take 30 seconds to three minutes of silence. Create peace in yourself and peace in the world. Here's Diana Ross. Reach out and touch someone's hand. Take care. 
Sister Jenna, you've been listening to America Meditating Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Did you enjoy that conversation? Because you can also listen to it on Spotify or on iTunes, 24-7, anytime, anywhere. I do trust we all have inner power to become our very best. When we listen with curiosity to learn more, we grow. So thanks so much for tuning in, and do be easy on yourself. Take care.